Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Earlier this week, I hosted a brand new online masterclass all about public speaking. And so on the Empire Builders podcast here, I'm sharing with you the live recording of that training. I covered the lessons that I've learned from some of the world's leading speakers in terms of how you can prepare and then how you can perform at your absolute best as a speaker or trainer. So here goes. I guess the first thing we want to think about, consider is why is public speaking such an important skill to master? Why do I believe that public skill is such an important skill to master when it comes to building an expert business? Um, Because the vast majority, I am making an assumption, but the vast majority of people in our community are experts of some description. So they either run a business um, coaching, consulting, mentoring others in some area of life or business, or maybe they're, they're trainers, speakers already, authors. They've got a business based upon their expertise. And um, if you've been following my work for any length of time, you might have heard me or seen me say this before, which is I really believe that the, the two most valuable skills that you can possess as an expert are, one, the ability to write copy, the ability to write words that convey a certain message because chances are if you're marketing online, offline, you're going to need to write words, write emails, write ads, posts on social, etc. Direct response messages to people on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook. You're going to need to communicate with them in a way that gets them to take action. And the second skill, which is up there with me uh, or for me with copy, is public speaking. Um, and those are the two skills that really have formed the foundation for the businesses that I've built over the last 12 years. Um, I mean, I actually thought about this in preparation for this evening. I I estimate I've given well over a thousand presentations over the last 12 years, um, spoken in front of hundreds of thousands of people and generated millions in sales as a direct result of speaking. Um, So, and I think as well, you got to think that Public speaking isn't necessarily just speaking on a stage in front of a room of people. Of course, right now in the current climate, that skill is uh, far less important than it used to be But uh, because we're not able to do live events at scale currently. But um, you could think that the skills you're going to learn this evening are directly applicable and relevant in whatever format you're speaking, whatever format you're sharing your message. So what works on stage at large scale events, which of course I've done for many years under the Expert Empires banner, um, absolutely 80% of which is highly relevant for if you're speaking in online presentations and events as I am here this evening with you, or if you're doing video content that you post and share on social, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, if you're, I mean, recently I've just literally, uh, this week done a, a, a promotion for our mastermind program. And the way that I have done that is twofold. One, I've sent out something in the post in written form. So that's copy. And two, I've sent each person 
that we've sent this promotion to a video as well. So I'm using both of those skills, despite the fact we're not running large scale events currently. So whether you're presenting on stage, on camera, whether you're presenting online as I am this evening, um, I really believe that public speaking alongside the ability to write great words, copy, um, is probably the most valuable skill you could possibly learn as an expert. And of course, when you master the skill of public speaking, first of all, the more speaking you do, the more you'll raise your profile, for sure. That's the number one way that I've built my profile, my status over the years is through running my own events, speaking on other stages, running online events, masterclasses like I am here this evening. Um, so it builds your profile to expert status, to authority, which of course then in turn means that you'll attract more people who are interested in working with you, that want to do business with you. Um, it's certainly true for me that the more I speak, the more opportunities I get to speak. So it's kind of self-fulfilling in that respect. Um, so I guess I'd like to start with a, with a question. Um, so I'm just gonna flip over here so I can see everybody everybody's names. So question for you, um, just, and the way that I'd like you to participate, if you don't mind this evening, is by clicking the hand button on your control panel to raise your hand. Um, so click the hand button, raise your hand for me if you're, you would currently class yourself as a speaker, presenter, trainer, in, as in you do semi-regularly give live presentations in some way, shape or form. Just click the hand button if you're already a speaker. In other words, you're here to this evening to hone your craft, to uh, maybe learn some additional things that you didn't already know or look for ways that you could improve your performance. All right, cool. So it looks like about, I'm going to guess and say 30%. Um, and raise your hand if you intend to start doing more speaking in 2021. And that's why you're here. Um, or when I say raise your hand, of course, click the hand button to raise your hand if you intend to do more speaking in 2021. Great. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Um, and by the way, I will there's a little button here somewhere. There you go. I'm just going to click to put your hands down because I will ask more questions as we go. So actually, I've got a question now that I'd like to ask to um, to get a uh, to get a sense of um, your background in some respects. I suppose my journey into becoming a speaker started when I was very young. I was 12 years of age, attended a Tony Robbins seminar in Hawaii um, with my mum and uh so Tony Robbins was really the first speaker that inspired, he was the first person I'd ever really see speak on a stage um, in, in this kind of format. I really know that existed as a thing before. Um, who, I'm curious, who was the first speaker that inspired you? Just drop the name in the comments for me in the questions. Who was the first speaker that inspired you? The first person who you saw on a stage or and you went, I'd love to do that. I'd love to run my own events. I'd love to speak on stages. I'd love to deliver online trainings, webinars, things like we are here this evening. Who was the first person that really inspired you? Um, so I, I love asking this question because it gives me a, um, a real breadth of, we've got, we've got a number of Les Browns. We've got Jay Shetty, Lisa Nichols, Rob Moore, good friend of mine. We've got um, Arnie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sean Stevenson, amazing speaker. Um, Obama, 
Um, Andy Harrington, good friend of mine, Tony Robbins, Eddie Izzard, somebody that's more into the comedians, uh, Larry Wingett, I've heard great things about Larry, never seen him speak myself. So thank you, thank you. So um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of names there that are familiar to me. And for, for me, it was Tony Robbins. Um, he was the first speaker that really inspired me. And so the reason I asked that question, um, uh, we've got more, Eric Thomas, Brené Brown, yeah, got some great names here. So the re- there was a reason I asked that question. The reason is because it's helpful when I ask this next question for you to have somebody in mind who you feel is world class. What is it that makes a world class speaker? Just type your thoughts in the comments. What 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 is it in the questions box? Just drop me a note. What is it that makes a speaker world class. Because what we're talking about here this evening is how do you, as an individual, how do you become a world class speaker? So it makes sense for us to go, well, what is it that when we think about world class speakers, and to me, I look at a Tony Robbins, and some of you have mentioned Rob Moore and Andy Harrington and Lisa Nichols and other world renowned speakers, um, what is it that a world class speaker does that your average everyday speaker doesn't do. So um, we've got people saying authentic, relatable, engaging, they have confidence, they captivate the audience. Um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people using the word engaging or engagement. Sean, yes, this is live. Um, I don't do pre-recorded uh, masterclasses or anything of that nature. Um, lots of people using the word engaging. So having energy, moving people emotionally, having a connection to the audience, with integrity. Um, uh, uh, Julie says with, with Billy Connolly, who she sees as a great speaker, it was stagecraft timing of delivery, um, the, the ability to make you feel that they're just talking to you individually, Laura. Um, see what I did there? Uh, combination of confidence and clarity of communication, um, their personality, their passion, um, being honest. So look, there's, 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 I could, I could list a lot of these, but there's a theme here occurring. So that, that was the question I asked myself when, when I created this evening's training for you, I went over the last 12 years that I've been doing this professionally. And for many years before that I was doing it a bit here and there. Um, and as I've been around, been fortunate enough to be around some world-class speakers, Tony Robbins being the first. And um, of course, if you follow my work for any length of time, you know that our Expert Empires events um, invite the greatest speakers from all over the world to come to our stage here, uh, here in London. So, you know, we've had David Goggins and Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, Shalene Johnson and Dr. Andrea Pennington and some amazing speakers. Um, I've missed loads. Tom Bilyeu, Lord Sugar. So we've had some amazing speakers, right? Um, so what is it that makes them world class? What is it that makes them stand out? And that's what I've put together here this evening for you in the form of this training. So I asked myself that question and what I'm going to share with you over the next hour or so is the outcome of that question I asked myself. Um, by the way, before I go any further, um, you will know that we will be giving away a pair of AirPods Pro. By the way, I always think to myself, is it AirPod Pros or is it AirPods Pro? It's a plural, but I'm not quite sure what the grammatical 
the correct grammatical way of, his, of explaining it is. But anyway, so we're giving away a pair of Apple AirPods Pro. We'll be doing that at the end of this evening session. So everyone that's on will be in the draw. We'll pick a name at random and somebody will be the proud owner of a new pair of AirPods Pro or AirPod Pros, whatever it is you say it. Um, so look, as far as I'm concerned, when I ask myself the question, what makes a world-class speaker and what are the distinctions that I've made over the last 12 years of giving thousands of presentations and speaking in front of hundreds of thousands of people, um, I believe that world-class speaking really comes down to two very simple principles. The first one is preparation. Preparation is key. I don't think anybody who's a world-class speaker can just rock up and speak. Now, you might think they can. And the reason you probably think they can is because they've done it so many times, i.e. preparation. Look, I know. The first time I ever rocked up to give a presentation with zero prep, it was an absolute train wreck. It was a disaster. It was confusing. It wasn't... It didn't make any sense. They couldn't understand. They couldn't follow the message. So preparation is key. That's the first piece. So a lot of the work occurs before you stand on the stage, before you switch on the camera. Preparation is key. And then the second thing, world-class speaking for me, really comes down to then performance. Um, You might substitute that word for delivery, but I like the alliteration of preparation and performance. So it's really about everything we're going to cover this evening is one, what is the preparation that's conducive to world-class speaking? And then what are the techniques, the tactics that you might use to perform, to deliver in a way that encompasses a lot of the words you use, that, that, that exudes confidence, that moves people emotionally, that engages the audience and have them sitting on the edge of their seat. So there's certain things that we do that I've learned to do over the years that are conducive to world-class performance. So let's dive straight in. That's the frame for this evening is the two things we're going to cover in depth are number one, preparation. What do you do in order to prepare to deliver at a world-class level? And then secondly, how do you perform on stage in front of camera however it is you're delivering, how do you perform at a world-class level? So when it comes to preparation, there are three key principles. Um, The first one is stories. So um, I think it's probably fair to say, um, sorry, I've got a pop-up here on my computer. I'm just getting rid of it. Um, It's fair to say that when you um, think about the speakers that you mentioned earlier, who you feel are world-class, most of the time, it's not there. It's not the information that moves us emotionally, that keeps us captivated, that that captures our imagination, that has us on the edge of our seats. It's not really the information. Often, it's the stories, the examples that accompany that information that really gets our attention. So, for, for me, it's not. It's certainly not just about stories. Stand on stage, tell a load of stories, you know, will the audience walk away feeling they learned anything? Maybe, maybe not. But it's also not the opposite, which is just information, information, information. And and by the way, there are tons of different types of stories that you might tell. You might tell personal stories from your first-hand experience. 
You might tell stories about a third party um, that are uh, that you know that you've been involved in. Um, so you might tell it as a third party. You might tell stories from a from a distance. So I could tell uh, a story about. So like think about some great speakers. Tony Robbins being one that I've followed a lot over the years. So Tony Robbins tells great stories. Um, and he uses some stories from his own life, from his own personal experience. But he also, if you've seen him speak, if you've been to any of his events or, or, or watched any of his videos and stuff, he'll often use stories about famous people that he knows or knows of. So he's got a great, I, I always remember from a very young age, I remember him telling the story about Sylvester Stallone and how he um, created the character Rocky and how he overcame every possible um, knockback and barrier and you know eventually became this worldwide megastar um, and he tells a story absolutely brilliantly at his Unleash the Power Within event now that's not a story about Tony it's a story about somebody else but it moves emotionally and it serves as a teaching point so you can use stories as a speaker to capture people's imagination to um, help them understand the philosophy the theory that you're teaching um, and, uh, and the one type of story that I'm going to tell you about now, by the way, like this training this evening is going to be an hour, an hour and a half. Um, this really could easily be three days jam-packed of training, four days jam-packed of training. There's so much to learn when it comes to speaking. So I'm really going to give you an overview here this evening. And by the way, for the record, I have no speaker training to sell to you, just so you know. Um, it's not something I've really done a lot over the years, but it is a topic that I constantly get asked about by our mastermind members and our clients. Um, and since I've done quite a lot of it, even though I'm not a quote unquote speaker trainer, I think I know a fair amount because of the amount of experience I've got. So one story that I'll talk about, because I think it's probably the, the foundation that every speaker should have a go-to, is your expert positioning story. So this is the story that you may have heard many speakers use a version of this uh, and share a version of this. It's effectively the story that enables your audience to relate to you, connect with you, because maybe you've had similar experiences to they're having right now, and also builds your credibility, your authority as an expert. I mean, look, if somebody's going to, and I don't know what it is you all do individually, there's hundreds of you here on, on this evening's masterclass. Um, but what I do know is that most of you are experts. So let's say you're an expert in health and fitness. A story of your health and fitness journey is going to make you more relatable and it's going to position you as an expert. You can talk about some of the achievements, the goals you've achieved in your health and fitness journey. Same thing if you're, I don't know, um, teaching people about building wealth through property. You might talk about your journey um, and how you got into property investing in the first place and now how, you, uh, uh, how you've built a multi-million pound portfolio of your own. So your expert positioning story, the, as I said, there's many different types of stories you can use in your presentations, but this one is, um, is probably the, the bedrock that, that all experts should have one of these. So there's a few key elements to your expert positioning story. First of all, ideally, your expert positioning story should include your experience of being where they are now. I'm, I'm going to give you my example one in a minute to 
bring all this um, into reality for you. So it should include your experience in the past of being where they are now. So for example, and, and of course, you know, you've got to, I truly believe that the story should be real, authentic, not made up. Um, so you can only go with what you've got in reality. Um, so like, for example, my expert position story, which I'll, I'll, I'll give you the very short version uh, in a moment, um, talks about my journey of seeing Tony Robbins speak on stage when I was 12 years of age and being inspired and uplifted and then ending up in a dead-end job that I really didn't like, starting and stuttering and failing with my first coaching business. This is the, the experience that a lot of my audience are having right now. So I share my experience of being where they are right now. Um, I share candidly. I, I think some speakers don't do this and they miss, they miss a massive opportunity. I share candidly the struggles I've had. Um, I even share the struggles I've had more recently in my career. I talk about how in 2015, I had a multi-seven-figure business and um, literally in a very short period of time, had to start again from absolute zero. No customers, no staff, no money, nothing. I share that openly. And I think, you know, that's a, um, it's vulnerable, but I also think it makes the successes I've had, um, well, first of all, more authentic, more believable, because they are true. And it also makes the successes I've had um, not seem like I'm just some, oh, look at me, look at how much money I've made type of speaker, because there's some contrast to them as well. Um, so you should absolutely share the results you've achieved and the where your audience wants to be and and you know you've got to demonstrate that and and by the way it might be that some of this expert positioning story could be told through third party as well for example let's say you specialize in weight loss in the health and fitness space and you haven't personally undergone a dramatic weight loss transformation you've always been in great shape and healthy and fit then maybe you'll use third parties people that you've worked with that have been through the struggles that your audience are going through right now. And you can then share the results they've achieved of where your audience wants to be. Um, ultimately, I think sharing highlights, successes, wins, but doing it in the context of the reality of some of your struggles, um, which not all speakers do, I think works real well. So um, what I'm going to do, um, by the way, there's an absolute shed loads of comments um, I'm not going to be able to get through all of them, but as I said, if you've just joined us, by the way, at the end, I am going to hopefully have some time for Q&A. Um, so if you hold your questions, type them in the questions box at the end, because if you do it now, I won't catch them all because there's hundreds. Um, but if you do them at the end, then I'll get through as many as I can. So um, here's the example of my expert positioning story. So, um, and by the way, I, I, I must say this, I really dislike um, a speaker gets on stage and they go straight into their expert positioning story and you sit there and you go, heard it all before, seen it all before. You're going to tell me the rags to riches. You're going to tell me how you were you know, living on the street and now you're a millionaire. Like you're going to tell me the story. Can we just get to the content? So the art and the skill is weaving the expert positioning story into the content so that it has value to the audience. So I suppose right now I'm kind of doing this, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I'm saying, right, so how you create an expert positioning story, here are the key elements you should include, and here's a good example of one. 
rather than me starting this evening session with my story and you going, when are we going to get to the content, Nick? Which, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's my, one of my pet peeves of our industry is, you know, generally speaking, you know the drill. When you come on one of these sessions, the format tends to be the same. Um, there's a load of story, then a tiny bit of content, then a pitch. So like, you know, I try to book the trend a little bit if I can. So I'm going to give you the short version of my expert positioning story. If you come to any of my events, you'll probably um, see me, hear me deliver this and, you know, do it in a lot more detail. But short version is 1994, um, got the opportunity to go to Hawaii with my mum to a Tony Robbins seminar. My mum was um, going through Tony's Mastery University and she gave me the opportunity to go along with her. She said, you can either spend the next two weeks at home in Birmingham, stay with your nan and go to school, or you can come with me to Hawaii. And I thought, I don't know who this big guy is with these huge teeth, but how bad could it possibly be? Like going to Hawaii for a couple of weeks and missing school seemed like a good idea. So um, off I went and the short version is, absolutely changed my life, opened my eyes to a whole new way of being. And I'm guessing, as I'm sharing this, you can probably recall your version of that. So when I built this expert positioning story, I built it around most people have had that first experience. Mine was Tony Robbins, Hawaii, 1994. Yours might have been something else. If you're old school, it might have been a book or a tape set, it might have been a live event you went to, it might be listening to a podcast, it could be anything, but you've got your version of that, right? So it's relatable. Um, and by my early 20s, um, I had this dream, this idea of being a being a speaker and running my own events, and that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, and in my early 20s, uh, at 21 years of age, I ended up working at the West Bromwich Building Society, which by the way, is every bit as depressing as it looks in this picture. And I was actually working in the mortgage bureau, filing mortgage applications by hand. And I remember thinking to myself that what I'm doing here and now, filing mortgage, mortgage applications by hand, could not be any further away from the life I've dreamt of, from you know working in an amazing environment with you know amazing people who are ambitious, who are inspired, who are energetic, you know, traveling all over the world, Hawaii, and, and all, all those amazing things. And here I was in some dingy office in the black country, um, and it is grim. Um, so, by the way, that's the second part. So I'm kind of narrating as I'm going, which obviously I wouldn't normally do if I was delivering it from stage. So that's the bit that a lot of people can relate to that as well. They're going, yeah, I'd love to not do what I'm doing for a living, but the reality is I'm stuck in a job I hate. I was there too. I don't say that when I'm delivering the story, but they come to that conclusion themselves. And around this time, I met a gentleman called Andy Harrington. Um, by the way, curious, um, click the hand button, raise your hand if you've heard of Andy Harrington, if you've maybe been to one of his events, you've seen him speak before. Just click the hand button if you've heard of, seen Andy speak. Yeah, so Andy, um, good friend of mine now. So back then, in my early 20s, so like, what are we talking, 15, 16 years ago, um, Andy offered me a job. Um, we, we'd met through the whole Tony Robbins circuit, if you like, scene. Um, and he offered me a job in sales. Um, and I didn't really fancy sales. You know, I, I, I thought I've learned a lot about NLP, about coaching. I, I really wanted to help young people. That was my dream. I wanted to run a business training, coaching, uh, young people. And, uh, and Andy offered me a job in sales. And, and I turned it down initially because I really wanted to give the youth coaching thing a go. Um, and a few months passed and I managed to get one client 
for my youth coaching business. Um, so I was living at my nans, didn't have any money. By the way, this is me narrating again. Um, as I'm telling this story, raise your hand if you can, click the hand button if you can relate to this in some way. Like you have a dream or had a dream that you wanted to be, be in business as a coach or a speaker or something like that and you wound up working in a dead-end job or not having enough money or only getting the odd client here and there. Or like, yeah, just click the hand button to raise your hand if you can relate to this. That's the point. So the expert positioning story is relatable to the majority of my audience. So you want to craft your own version of this, obviously, for your audience, who it is you speak to, who it is you uh, you, you want to serve, to work with, to, to have as clients. Um, so went to work for, uh, actually, take it back, uh, back a couple of steps. So I didn't take the job with Andy, tried, failed with my first coaching business. And then a few months later, Andy called me up again. He can be quite persuasive when he wants to be. And he, he managed to persuade me to go and work in his company in sales. And I didn't know anything about sales. I'd never sold anything in my life before. Um, but Andy trained me. Um, I went through all his speaker training, which was highly valuable. I worked on the phone for about 18 months, making lots of calls and selling tickets to his live events. And that was the most valuable experience I could have ever had. I learned more in that 18 months than I had in the 18 years previous to that. Um, because Andy knew how to run a business in this sector. He knew how to sell. He knew how to market himself. Um, and so at the end of that 18 months, I went, hey, now I can go off and set up my first proper business. Um, I'm going to skip through this real quick. Set up my first business, writing emails, sales letters like the one on the screen, marketing materials for clients. Um, made about 50000 in our first year doing that. Um, then decided to start teaching it, running my own live workshops, events. First event, the Copywriting Academy in August 2009. Managed to get eight people to turn up. No great shakes. But from that, and by honing my craft as a speaker, honing my craft in marketing, in sales, managed to gradually, steadily, over time, build the business. So that before long, instead of eight people, it was 20 or 30 people. And that became a 250, 300,000 pound a year business. And again, before long, as my skills as a speaker improved and my marketing skills and my sales skills improved, we got to the point where we were putting 800, 900, 1,000 people in the room. Our biggest event today, it was 1,400 people in June 2019. I had to remember then. Um, seems like the, recently the time's gone crazy. So June 2019, we had 1,400 people in the room paid to attend one of our conferences. This was Expert Empires in 2017, sold out. Gary Vaynerchuk, headline speaker. Grant Cardone, 2018, headlined Expert Empires. So again, that's the short version of a much longer expert positioning story that I tell um, when I'm speaking on stage. So ho hopefully that gives you a bit of context for your expert positioning story. I wanted to give you a few pointers of what to include and then an example. Um, so, you know, I think it incorporated a lot of the pieces that I talked about. It was, you know, where it all started and some of the challenges and, and setbacks I've had over the years and uh, in a way that's relatable to the audience and then the successes I've enjoyed since. Um, now, I could that whole story could be an hour, 90 minutes on its own, done thoroughly with lots of ups and downs on the way. I gave you the short version tonight for the purpose of this training. So when it comes to preparation, factoring into your 
plan your presentation where you're going to strategically put stories. And by the way, expert positioning story is just one type of story. There might be a number of different types of stories that you use, um, but that's just one that I wanted to share with you. So then the second piece in your preparation is what I call the system. So this is your proprietary framework, the system for your expertise. So um, think about it like this. And actually, Andy Harrington was the first person that really taught me this. So he calls it a unique branded solution. I call it a framework, call it what you like, but basically taking all of your knowledge and expertise and experience in the field of wealth creation, business growth, health and fitness, relationships, mindset, whatever it is you specialize in, could be a number, I'm sure we've got every different type of expert you could imagine on this masterclass this evening. Um, the system is all of that information in one teachable model. Um, so let me give you some examples of things that you'll be familiar with. So um, this on the screen, um, just, uh, just type in, in the comments here, what this model is, whose model is this, who does it belong to, what's it all about. Boom, straight away, loads of your Maslow's hierarchy of needs to give it its full title. So look, this is a very, 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 very early version of, you know, Maslow obviously understood this stuff. He understood that you got to take the information and put it into a framework, a model, a system that makes it, that makes it recognizable, easy to understand so that it's teachable. And now all I have to do is put this up on the screen and boom, you all know it's his, you all know it's Maslow. Um, if I put this acronym up on the screen here, what topic are we talking about here? If I put SMART up on the screen, what topic am I talking about? Boom, goal setting, straight away, like, I mean, like, straight away, like, within seconds, like, 50, 60, 70, 80 of you immediately know we're talking about goal setting. So, what the name of the game for you as a speaker um, as an existing speaker who wants to improve their, uh, their delivery, their craft, or somebody who wants to get into speaking, having a framework, a system that's yours makes it, first of all, way easier to deliver training in a way that's easy to follow and makes sense. Um, as I've said to you earlier, I, I don't normally teach and train public speaking. It's not my main thing. Um, my main thing is much more strategy and how to grow your expert business from zero to a full-time income to six figures to seven figures. And I've got framework for that. Um, but I've actually kind of put together a loose framework for you this evening to try and make this easier to understand. We've got our two Ps, haven't we, that we're focusing on. We've got preparation and performance. And then I'm giving you the content that goes beneath it. So SMART goals would be another example. Um, you might have heard of this guy, Robert Kiyosaki, um, the creator of Cashflow Quadrant. So he's got his EBSI framework for explaining the different stages of becoming uh, financially free, becoming an investor, right? Um, so again, it's this is just another system. It's another framework, but it having a framework, first of all, makes your training way easier to follow along with. 
Second of all, it actually raises your profile because it demonstrates a, a greater depth of understanding of your content, your subject. Um, and it means that then somebody can go, uh, go off as I have here and go, right, I could teach you at a high level about Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant and I could teach you at a high level about Maslow's hierarchy of needs or smart goals. So it, it makes your content easier for people to talk about when you're not there, which is a good thing because it builds your credibility. Um, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There's loads of examples. Um, so I've got a few. Here's a couple of mine. So one of my, uh, this is one of my early frameworks that I developed. So um, as I've mentioned, over the years, since 2009, I've been running live workshops. The first one, we had eight people attend. Our largest one today had 1,400 people that bought tickets. So um, I've created a framework around how to promote, how to fill, how to maximize profit and effectiveness of live events. It's called the Seminar Success Circle. Basically, everything I know about marketing, selling, running, monetizing live events fits into six categories. So I've created my Seminar Success Circle. is my framework for running events. If you've been to any of my events, um, you're probably familiar with a version, and I'm always tweaking and improving, by the way. Um, so it's never done, but you've probably seen a version of this before. So this is my proprietary framework for building an expert business from zero to full-time income, let's say 50,000 a year in revenue to six figures and multi-six figures to seven figures um, and scaling it to reach a lot of people and making a big impact. This is my proprietary framework for that. Um, and interestingly, this evening, um, and I couldn't even begin to go through all this this evening with you. But this evening, what I'm actually doing when it comes to teaching you about public speaking, public speaking, if you look at this framework, under um, pitching, if you look at the, five, the seven P's across the bottom, pitching, public speaking is a one-to-many approach to pitching and delivery. So I'm, I'm giving you a deep dive on public speaking this evening, which is one part of my... 21 point proprietary framework. So again, once you've got your framework, everything that you teach sits beneath it. Hopefully this is making some kind of sense to you. Um, so some pointers for when you're creating your own system framework, like how would you go about doing this? So first and foremost, brainstorm everything you know about your given subject. So in my case, the first version was how to run events. I literally just got a whiteboard with a pen and write, right, what do I know when it comes to running events? I know about how to price your tickets effectively. I know how to run paid ads to sell tickets. I know about using email marketing. I know about forming joint ventures. I know about getting guest speakers. I know about how to get the best deal with venues. I know about using direct mail. I know how to sell tickets over the phone. I could go on forever. So that's a lot of information. I mean, I probably had 50, 60, 70 different things that I could teach. And by the way, you, you're probably similar if you're an, a true expert in your field. There's probably like 30, 40, 50 different subjects or, 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 or pieces of content that you could teach when it comes to your specialist subject. The problem is doing that in a way that doesn't confuse and overwhelm people. So what I did was I went, right, whiteboard with a pen, or you could do this on a paper, just everything I know, I'm just gonna literally blitz it all out on a page in no particular order of sequence, just get it out. 
Then the next phase is to condense all of that. So all of the things that I just blurted out about promoting and filling and running live events, I then try and condense it or categorize all of that information into, I, I would suggest a minimum of five and a maximum of eight key principles. So as I said to you, I managed to condense 50, 60, 70 ideas, things that I knew would be would be helpful when it comes to running successful events. I managed to condense it down into six big chunks or six key principles. And then of course, from those five, six, seven, eight key principles, what you would do is you'd have subsets of content. Um, so I'm doing this this evening. I got, for the purpose of this evening, I suppose, there's two big key principles, but then there's actually six. So there's three under preparation and there's three under performance. So once you've got it condensed into five, six, seven, eight key principles, some additional things, this is kind of advanced stage creation of your system or framework, um, putting it into acronyms. So SMART goals would be a good example of acronyms, alliterations. So on my seminar success circle, the alliteration, all six begin with the letter P. You could put it into shapes like I did with the circle or Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's in a shape, isn't it? Um, or uh, Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, that's uh, in a shape as well to make it easy to remember visually. So all of those things make the framework easier for people to understand and follow and remember. Um, and, and really what you then want to do is come up, for a system, come up with a system for each of those five, six, seven or eight key principles. So you've kind of got sub-training. So let me give you an example. Let's say that's not related to my content. Let's say you're an expert in health, fitness, weight loss, whatever. Um, so your five, let's say you've got five key principles. Let's, let's think what they might be. Maybe your five key principles are nutrition, exercise, sleep, hydration, mindset. I don't know. Maybe there's more than five. Maybe those aren't the five, but let's say for argument's sake they are. Then let's take one of those, nutrition, and now you've got a system that you would teach around nutrition. So maybe you've got um, your core philosophy is around um, how you manage the macros in your diet or size of portions or eating for your blood type. I don't know. So whatever your philosophy is. So you've got a system for each of your. So you've got your five high level principles. Then you've got a system for each. And by the way, this is how you create, one of the things that I often hear people talk about when it comes to, uh, or a concern people have when it comes to public speaking is they go like, I'm worried that I'm just gonna run out of things to talk about and say. And so having this framework means that, this framework, by the way, is your 60 minute keynote presentation, it's your one day seminar, it's your three day training, it's your 12 month coaching program, everything stems from this framework. So my, framework that I've got around building an expert business from scratch to multi-seven figures, that framework serves all parts of my business. I can give an overview of that in an hour. I can deep dive it over three days. I can use it as a support mechanism for a 12-month mastermind or mentorship program. So that system, once you've got it nailed, it honestly, I mean, it's probably one of the most valuable um, exercises you'll ever do when it comes to growing your expert business. So preparation, we've talked about stories and using stories. I gave you one example of a type of story you could use. There are many. And then system, putting all of your 
your information, your expertise into a teachable system. Um, by the way, how are we doing here so far? Um, I, I'm aware that I've been talking a lot. Um, so uh, just give me, give me a, uh, yeah, give me a, give me a thumbs up. I tell you what, I meant to ask this question at the start. I like to get people interacting if I can. Um, scale of zero to ten. I meant to ask this question at the start, but I forgot. Scale of zero to ten. How would you rate yourself right now in terms of public speaking skills? Zero is absolute rubbish. Um, you don't know where to start and your confidence is through the floor. 10 is you are like one of the greats on the planet. Where would you rate yourself? I'm just curious. It's good. I probably should have asked this question earlier just to see where people sit. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm seeing as low as a zero, um, a few of you. Um, I'm seeing as high as an eight. I've seen a nine. I'm not going to name names. Um, yeah, real, real mixed back, real mixed back. Um, so hopefully already, you know, you've got at least one thing. That's my outcome. Whenever I attend uh, a training or a workshop or anything like that, I go, if I can come away with one thing that was valuable, then it was worth it. So hopefully already you've come away with one thing that you go, yeah, that could definitely move the needle for me to be a slightly better speaker. So then... The third part of preparation, before you can give a presentation, I think you should always start with the end in mind. And that might be a sale, but it certainly might not be. But you should always think about what's the next step that you want someone to take. And it might be a sale. So, you know, in, in our industry as, a, as an expert, I'm going to assume that in at least some cases when you're delivering a presentation, there is a commercial outcome. Like it might be, it might not be a, I want you to go and buy this now, but it might be at least, I want you to take this step. It might be, I want you to go and join my Facebook group, or it might be, I want you to connect with me on LinkedIn, or it might be, I want you to go to this webpage and make this purchase, or it might be, I want you to go and purchase a training um, in the room. Uh, it might be, you know, I just want you to fill in a form to express interest in working with me. It could be anything, but you certainly want to start with the end in mind and go, well, if my outcome um, is, of course, you know, yes, my outcome is to inspire. Yes, my outcome is to educate and teach. And my outcome is to get this audience into some form of action. Even if the action is nothing to do with working with you, getting clear on what that next step is, is really important. Um, and so when I consider either if I'm selling something or what the next step would be, I, I, I think about it in terms of four things, four key considerations. The first one, I always think of how am I going to serve here? How am I going to make sure that regardless of my audience's decision to take that next step to work with me or to purchase or to take the action that I want them to take, regardless, they're going to feel it was valuable, that they've been served. That's number one, most important. The second, and by the way, the, the second thing I'm going to share with you is straight up, I'm happy to tell you what I'm great at. I'm also happy to tell you what I'm rubbish at. I'm going to say that, um, to be fair, you, you've all you've kindly shared your scale of zero to 10, how good you think you are. Um, I'm probably like, I'd give myself a solid nine in terms of my speaking skills. I think I've been doing it long enough and I've got enough experience and enough references to say that. When it comes to selling from the stage, I'm not a nine. I'm probably a seven, to be honest. And that's only because I've done it so much. 
However, I get nine out of 10 results in terms of selling. Here's why, this next step. Again, I'll happily tell you, I'm not the slickest seller from stage, not this, you know, I'm no good at doing the big pitch, but I get awesome results selling from stage. Here's why, because I do this step very well. And that's called seeding. So what I am very good at, I'm happy to tell you what I'm not very good at, um, what I am very good at is seeding throughout my presentation. So in other words, um, signposting throughout my presentation, the next step. So whatever the next step is that you might want people to take, signposting it throughout, referencing programs that you run, referencing your, you know, let, let's say for argument's sake, you weren't selling anything, but the next step you wanted people to take was to join your free Facebook community. Well, you could see throughout the presentation, hey, here's an example of a video that I posted recently in my free Facebook community, and you show a screenshot, and it shows what the community is called, and it shows how many members are already in there. That's a seed. Maybe later on, you just mention, so, I was talking to somebody, somebody asked me this question in my free Facebook community the other day, and I went on and answered it, here was the answer to another seed. And so then, you've built up the value of this Facebook community in your presentation at the end when you say, by the way, I'm curious, raise your hand if you'd be interested in joining my free Facebook community, everyone raises their hands because you've already seeded it throughout. And then when you say, here's what you need to do next, it's easy for them to say yes. So the seed step is really important when you're looking to make a sale or indeed just getting people to take some kind of next step from your presentation. So for me, the majority of your presentation should be serve seed, serve seed, serve seed, serve seed. If you subscribe and listen to our podcast, you'll see me, you'll hear me doing this all the time. So I, I pack full every single episode of loads of content and I'll be seeding throughout. Like straight up, you've probably heard me, I don't know if anyone's been keeping count, probably not. How many times already this evening in this presentation have I mentioned our mastermind program? Probably three or four. And by the way, I'm not selling our mastermind program here this evening, but I've mentioned it because that is my core program. That is my offer. So I'm always seeding it constantly, really just so that my community have got an awareness that this thing exists. And then if and when I do sell the program and tell people here's what it is and here's the offer and here's how to go and buy it, then they're already aware. So it's not the first time they heard of it. Um, so of course, you'll serve seed, serve seed, serve seed throughout your presentation, put stories in as I've already talked about, teach the framework, seed, and then you will go into, here's what you need to do next if you wanna work with me. Here's what you need to do next if you wanna join my Facebook group. Here's what you need to do next if whatever the next step is. So then you tell them, here's what you need to do. And then the close is always the action and finishing on the close, not doing anything after, it's like, right, here's what you need to do. Click this link, visit this web page, go here to make the purchase. Whatever it is you want them to do, you close with that. Um, you know, go to, if I was, I'm not, but if I was talking about our Facebook community, the last thing I would say on this evening's training at the very end would be go to Facebook right now, type into the search bar, Expert Empires Community, and submit a request to join. End of training. So the close should always be the action you want them to take, always the last thing. The amount of times I've seen speakers 
close and then ramble and ruin it um, is shocking. So in terms of preparation, those are the really the first three things. I mean, we, we could literally spend three days just talking about preparation and creating stories and a system and how to frame and deliver a sale. Um, but those are probably the three things that I think are most critical when it comes to preparation. I mean, what I haven't talked about in there is, like, I mean, there's so much rehearsal, like actually practicing the presentation live in front of a camera, in front of a mirror, whatever. Really important step. I used to do that all the time in my early career. So there's loads more around preparation. Um, when it comes to performance, there's three key elements as well when it comes to performance. So the first one, I really believe that your performance as a speaker, the, I mean, when I asked earlier, what, what are the hallmarks? What, are the, what, what makes a world-class speaker? A lot of what you said was, um, so the word confidence was used a lot. Well, where do you think confidence comes from? Confidence comes from your beliefs. So I, I guess question for you. First of all, I've got two questions. The first one is, um, just uh, just type into the questions box an answer to this. What do you believe about speaking? Just tell me. Like if I said, speaking is fill in the blank, what do you believe about speaking? Speaking is what? Just fill in the blanks here. Um, so people are saying, speaking is exciting. By the way, if you believe speaking is exciting, is that gonna give you a very different experience as a speaker and is it going to give your audience a very different experience listening to your message? Absolutely. Somebody else says speaking is hard, speaking is scary, speaking is terrifying. If you're using some of those words, if those are your beliefs, then clearly it's going to have a very different impact on your ability to perform at the highest level. Um, there's loads here. I'm, I'm going to pick out a few. Um, it's fun. It's easy. People have said scary. It's a talent. Um, by the way, um, I'm just going to pick that one. It's a talent. What might that mean? So what sits beneath that belief might be it's a talent, it's something you're naturally born with or not. Um, it's nerve-wracking, it's, uh, it's an opportunity, it's fun, it's freedom, it's, there's, there's loads, right? But what you, whatever you typed in the questions, whatever thought you had when I said, what do you believe about speaking, is going to have a massive impact on your ability to perform. Um, second question. What do you believe about you as a speaker? So what do you believe about you? So this is an I am statement. So I am what? Just write in the, in the questions. What do you believe about you as a speaker individually? Okay, so I need to improve. I'm awesome. I'm a bit repetitive. I'm a natural. I'm honest, I'm nervous, loads of nervous, 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 interesting. I'll talk, I'm gonna make a note here. I'm gonna talk about nervous in a second, since so many people have written that exact same word. Um, I'm inspiring, I can motivate, I'm engaging, nervous, shy, I have potential, I could do better, I'm a bit rambly. So all of these, um, all of these beliefs that you have impact on your ability to perform at the highest level. So what I thought I'd do, um, is, is share some beliefs that I have about speaking and about me as a speaker. And actually, what, I'll, what I will do is I'll share with you where they came from. So I, I already mentioned that I, um, I had a lot, I was very fortunate, I had a lot of training with Andy Harrington in my younger, uh, younger years and early on in my career because I worked in sales for Andy and he I was actually the first person 
that he trained to speak on a stage. So before he, I mean, now, you know, his whole, his whole business is built on him training. I mean, he must have trained tens of thousands of people in public speaking through his, uh, through his university and through his academy. Um, I was the first one, um, which I'm kind of proud of, I must say. Um, but what I did, because yes, he taught me some of the techniques I'm sharing with you this evening about how to prepare and how to create your content and your framework and also how to deliver with impact and, and capture the audience's attention. But actually, the most valuable stuff I learned from him was what does he believe? So I'm going to tell you, so some of the things, I'll tell you what my number one fear was when I, felt, when I first started speaking. My number one fear, um, and I don't know if anybody's got this, my number one fear was my mind's going to go blank. I'm not going to know what to say. I'm going to freeze on stage. Click the hand button, raise your hand if you've got that fear somewhere inside you. It's a concern. It's a, that's like the worst thing that could possibly happen. He's like, I look like an idiot because I just freeze and I don't know what to say. I go blank. Right, so yeah, probably about a third of you that have said that's, that's true for you. And a lot of you that said, I'm nervous. Nervous is probably a state you've got because you're concerned about something happening and that something might be for you. Mind goes blank. It might be I'm, I'm fearful that I'm going to get um, tongue-tied or I'm, gonna, I'm fearful that I'm going to have um, you know, somebody heckle me or whatever the thing might be. So um, check this out for a belief. This was, I, I remember Andy telling me this and I went, that's a good belief. I'm just going to take that on as if it was true. Um, so Andy's belief is that when his mind goes blank, that means he's ready. So like most people, average speakers, amateur speakers, before they go on stage, before they start speaking, they're trying to get in their head the lines. They're trying to remember what they want to say first. They're rehearsing it over and over and over in their head. That's not very helpful because that's an easy way to get overwhelmed, confused, nervous. Of course, when you start doing that in your mind, your breathing changes, all sorts of stuff goes on. Um, so Andy's belief was when my mind goes blank, that means I'm ready. And I remember... Um, the first time he told me that, I was fascinated by it. Um, and then I started trying it out. So I started, before a presentation, I would get myself ready by going, right, mind completely blank. And then I'd walk up onto the stage and just start. Now, that does take, to have that belief, that level of confidence takes practice. And of course, the more you practice, the better you get. And, you know, I, I don't for a second think that I would have become anywhere near as good a speaker as I am, unless I'd got thousands of presentations under my belt in front of hundreds of thousands of people over the years. Um, so really, it is certainly time in the saddle. Um, but that belief was was important for me. A little bit later on in my career, um, I, was, I was definitely struggling, being completely honest with you, open and real, I was struggling with a bit of what you might call imposter syndrome. So... I was getting on stage at a certain point, by like 2014, 2015, I was getting on stage with some fairly well-known speakers. So, you know, people that were had high profiles and were seen as kind of celebrities in our field. And I was getting on stage, but there was, and by the way, most of the time it was at my events. But my biggest challenge was that 
my belief was that people were coming to the events because they wanted to see the headliner, not me. So consequently, I had a bit of imposter syndrome. It was like, you know, really, they don't want to see me. They want to see the, the headliner. And so, um, again, I got to shout Andy out for, for most of my development as a speaker over the years. really been down to him. Um, so he was, check this out for a belief, right? He was speaking at an event and I think Tony Robbins was speaking at the same event and there was somebody else I, I, I want to say Richard Branson but it might have been somebody I can't remember it was a big big famous name and um and I, I remember saying to Andy I went look you know you're speaking on stage like alongside these amazing world-renowned um celebrities experts like how do you deal with the thinking that like they ain't there to see you <laughs> I just asked him and he went Nick, whether or not this is true is irrelevant, but the last thing I think to myself on stage, uh, the last thing I think to myself before I go on stage is, they're all here to see me, I'm the star of the show. Now, that might sound quite arrogant, however, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't matter if he believes that's true, but that thought immediately before you go on stage, do you think having that thought is gonna put you in a position to perform at a higher level than if your thought is, they're not really here to see me. You're gonna perform at a higher level if the belief, what you're saying to yourself is, I'm the star of the show, they're here to see me. So I remember, I, I, as soon as he told me that, this was probably 2014, 2015, I just started thinking that before I went on stage. And I'm telling you, my performance definitely improved, definitely increased. The results I achieved from a sales perspective definitely improved, definitely increased as I adopted that belief, that mindset. Um, so look, I mean, I mean, I could talk about this subject for a day, probably just on its own, the mindset of being a great speaker. But um, I wanted to share a couple of the beliefs that have really helped me along the way. So when it comes to performance, by the way, I just wanted to share this quick model with you. When it comes to world-class delivery, um, you might have seen or heard this before in a different context. I want to make it relevant to public speaking. So when it comes to world-class delivery, or you might call this world-class communication, whether that's on stage, on video, whether it's a conversation one-to-one, -one, over the phone, whatever it might be, over Zoom, of course, do a lot of Zoom calls now. Um, there's, there's three different elements to communication. The first one is physiology or body language. You've probably heard this, it's old science and, and there's been lots of studies done on this over the years. But physiology or body language is 55% of the effectiveness of your communication. The meaning of the communication, the message, 55% of it is derived from your body language, your physiology. 38% of the effectiveness of your communication or the meaning of the message is derived from your voice tone, how you use your voice and only 7% of it is the words you say. Only 7%. So that in mind, we already talked a bit about, of course, stories and your system, your framework. I suppose that's the words bit. And I'm telling you, when it comes to, when I asked you the question at the start, I said, what is it that makes a speaker truly world-class? Nobody, and there was probably 100 plus answers, Nobody said great content, not one of you. You all said engaging. You all said confidence. You all said captivating. You, you all said, you know, 
ability to elicit emotion, things like this. None of that is about what you say. All of it is about how you deliver it. So um, when we're talking about performance, let's get into now the two primary performance tools at your disposal, physiology and tonality. So let's talk about physiology first. So there's, um, and by the way, the reason we talk about it first, it's 55%. Over half of your effectiveness as a speaker is your physiology, your body language. So there's a number of different considerations here. Um, which we're going to run through quickly. So how you stand, that is part of physiology, how you physically stand. Um, and uh, when I've actually, um, I've delivered this as a full one day training for our mastermind members on a few occasions. And of course, I actually demonstrate what I mean by all this. And we do exercises and stuff. We can't do that here this evening. But so how you stand. And of course, I'm sure you can think of speakers and how they stand, whether they stand in power and you can't take your eyes off them. Um, or versus if they're kind of slouched and standing towards the back of the stage. All of that stuff's going to make a difference on the power of the message. So how you stand is one big part of physiology. The gestures that you use. Um, I, as you might have noticed, if, you've got your, uh, if you're watching on camera as well as the slides, I use my hands a lot when I speak. I use gestures a lot. Um, it's probably just my style. And by the way, I don't think for a second that I am the most technically competent speaker, but I like to think that I can use my physical body in a way that makes the content relatively engaging. So gestures, use of hands. And by the way, how you use your hands can really communicate very different meanings. So for example, hands open like this has a very different meaning to hands down like this. So there's loads of different gestures we could explore. But that's a big one when it comes to the meaning that you convey in your message. Your movement. So um, I think it's certainly possible for you to move too much as a speaker. Um, it's also possible for you to move not enough as a speaker. Um, as I said, I've given well over a thousand presentations, probably in the multiple thousands of presentations over the years. I can tell you now the greatest presentation I have ever given in my life, I was sat down for the entire thing. Now, that's amazing, really, when you think about it. You think, well, why is that? Well, it was because the subject matter of that presentation was not high-energy subject. It wasn't me, you know, raising the energy in front of a room of five, six, seven hundred people with flashing lights and music. It was a much more intimate, smaller group, probably about 150, 200 people. And I was, and, and the whole section was pretty much based on story, not a lot else. And it was powerful. So sometimes you can move too much and actually scaling it back and being still is power. And at the same time, of course, you might want to mix it up and use some movement um, deliberately. The key is everything you do should be deliberate. Every gesture you make should be deliberate. The movement or lack of should be deliberate. How you stand should be deliberate. Expressions. Let's talk about expressions. The number one most important piece of advice I could give you as a speaker is to smile when you're speaking. And it's actually a bit of a skill in itself to smile and speak simultaneously. I'm trying to do this now into the camera so you can see. Um, I, I remember when I first, first started speaking in my early 20s, 
and I was delivering sales presentations for Andy, I'd always have on my notes in front of me, on the screen in front of me, smiles equal sales. Because I knew the more I smiled, the more the audience would warm to me, the more they warmed to me, the more likely they were to buy. So using facial expressions, and of course, you know, um, smiling is definitely a good one. And depending on what emotion you want to elicit in the audience, you might use different expressions. Now, by the way, I've just given you like the shortest version ever of physiology. There's so much to it. There's breathing patterns. Um, of course, you know, when it comes to delivering world-class performance, things like being well hydrated before you speak. or indeed while you're speaking, being well nourished. All of these things contribute to your physiology, your, your, your physical body, and um, therefore is gonna make a massive difference to the effectiveness of the message. Again, there's loads more to physiology. I just wanted to give you a few headline points here in the time we've got this evening. Um, and then the final piece, or the final piece I'm gonna cover with you here on performance is tonality, because remember, Physiology is 55% of the effectiveness of your communication, of your message, and tonality is 38%. Um, and when you're delivering training or content without visual cues, or like, so you're not physically on stage or on camera, so like when I'm doing my podcast, for example, the, the, the importance of tonality goes through the roof because they can't see me. So tonality is even more important. So when it comes to tonality, there's a few different things to consider. Um, first of all, um, those of you that are trained in NLP might be familiar with this. VAK stands for Visual Auditory Kinesthetic. So visual people will use tonality that tends to be um, much louder, faster paced, punchy. I just delivered that in a very visual way, right? Auditory tends to be more melodic, a little bit softer, probably more in the mid-range. Kinesthetic is where the tonality becomes a lot slower, much deeper, softer. And everybody has a natural innate preference. So I am naturally quite a visual person. So I naturally probably speak fast, louder, I'm less likely to slow it down and pause. So I had to train myself to go to the other end of visual auditory kinesthetic. If you're naturally kinesthetic, probably need to train yourself to go more to visual. The, po the point is to capture all people in the audience, you wanna mix it up, use all three. So speed of speech, really important. If, if the whole presentation is done at a very slow pace, the visual people are going to go crazy. They'll probably just walk out. If you do it all at a million miles an hour, then the kinesthetic people are going, you've got to slow down, this is just too much. I can't take it all in. They're confused, they're overwhelmed. So speed, mixing it up, really important. Pitch, so you could be high pitch, could be low pitch, and again, what makes for engagement when it comes to tonality is mixing it up. Think about the greatest speakers. I asked you right at the start, who's the first speaker that inspired you? Who do you look to? Who do you aspire to speak like? Who do you admire? Um, I guarantee when you 
consider their style, they're brilliant at using all of the different types of tonality. I know for me, you know, Tony Robbins being the first person that really inspired me, a genius at raising the energy of an audience, using fast-paced, high-energy language and gestures and all the things we've talked about. Also, unbelievably good at taking you from here into deep emotion at the drop of a hat. So being able to take people on that journey, really important. Using different inflection. So the, a sentence can have very different meaning based upon whether you use inflection at the end of the sentence that goes up, inflection at the end of the sentence that stays the same, or inflection at the end of the sentence that goes down. So different tonalities, it's called question, neutral or command tonality. There's so many different things to consider when it comes to tonality alone. I mean, I've just given you a few. Um, what I would say is that for most people, as, a, as an overall piece of advice, most speakers, especially, I said, you know, what do you struggle with? And lots of people use the word nervous. When people are nervous, one of the most common problems is they speak too fast and they don't stop and pause. And the reason they don't stop and pause is because they're fearful of the silence. They think that if I stop and pause, people are going to switch off. People are going to realise that I don't know what I'm going to say next. But I'm telling you, the pause is probably one of the most powerful tools in your toolbox as a speaker. Being able to, like, especially if you use it combined with everything else we talked about here with gestures. and uh, like, If you're speaking at a million miles an hour and then you stop, that's powerful. And you can have people literally hanging on your every word. So that's tonality. We've talked about a lot this evening. We've done it real fast. So I know that we weren't able to go deep. As I said, I mean, I could certainly deliver a three or four day training on all of this alone because there's so much to learn. Um, when I first went through my speaker training, it was two weeks intensive, 14 days of training back to back. And I still didn't know all of it. Um, but to summarize, really what, what makes a world-class speaker? Yes, of course, preparation. Yes, of course, understanding the mechanics of great performance. But I'll tell you the third thing that makes for a great speaker, and it's the most important, and that's practice. That's actually doing it. Time in the saddle, working out, you know, um, I suppose, in the trenches, working out what works, what doesn't. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you. I've happily shared what I'm really good at and what I'm really strong at. I'll also share where I'm weak. I'm not, i tell you where I'm really rubbish. I'm really rubbish at pre-prepared jokes. They just don't seem to land. So I learned quite a long time ago not to bother with pre-prepared jokes. I tend to be, I wouldn't class myself as a funny speaker, um, but I tend to be more humorous, more funny, more lighthearted in the moment um, when I'm bouncing off the audience. So I just decided, I mean, I'm gonna stop trying to be funny here and, and pre-prepare jokes. I'm just gonna go with the flow. And I found that was better for my natural style. So the key is you've got to find what your natural style is really. 
Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect. Thank you.